Baseball 365 Podcast, and here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode number 30 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, and here with me is my co-host, Andrew McQuiston. Andrew, you doing all right? Doing good, man. All right. Well, we're here for part two. If you are listening to this one and you haven't listened to our previous episode, we are breaking down the AL East, and we went lengthy. We've been going lengthy on all these divisions, decided we'd cut them in half, get you guys two shorter episodes instead of having one real long one. So we're going to get started here on the second half of the AL East, which I think some people would refer to as the Vlad Guerrero Jr. portion. Right, Andrew? You got it, man. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, they're not going to be the first team we're talking about tonight. We're actually going to be starting off with the Boston Red Sox. And their first month was quite the struggle, but they fought their way back to getting over four, 500. And right now, they're not in the playoffs, though, as, if the season ended right now. So, Andrew, do you still think they make the playoffs as a wild card like you predicted before the season? And I shouldn't say you predicted. Almost everybody predicted. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't change it. They're a game and a half out of the second wild card, so... I'm definitely not going to change my mind over that. And it's like you said on the last episode we were just recording, it seems like everything's gone wrong for them right now, and they're still right here in the race. Yeah. So I'm with you on that. I I think they still find their way back in there. Okay. Well, Dombrowski, Dave Dombrowski, their GM, he already has a World Series championship in Boston, something he wasn't able to get in Detroit. But that championship has come and gone now, and now they're trying to win another championship or two over the next couple seasons, and their window is right now. And Boston has a payroll estimated to be at $237 million at the end of the season. That jumped out to me when I was looking at payrolls. So you wouldn't think that they would have the money to go out to buy a big piece at the trade deadline, which is kind of ironic as Dave Dombrowski's GM teams, they've had a they has a loaded major league roster and a terrible back him into their bullpen. How does this keep happening with this guy and teams he runs? I don't know, man. I I really don't. the The most one of the most puzzling things for me, I think I mentioned it just yesterday or the day before to somebody. This this entire season is just Boston's, like, you know, we, we have this view of the Boston Red Sox. You know, they won the World Series last year. They're consistently great every year recently. And they have just completely ignored the bullpen this year. It's like, do you really think you're going to get by all season with Matt Barnes and... Ryan Brazier as like your back end of your bullpen pieces. I, I don't get it. I don't understand why they didn't at least make an attempt to get Kimbrell back. I just, I don't understand it at all. It's like they're ignoring, I mean, bullpens nowadays. I feel like when you look at world series winners over the last five to 10 years, one consistent thing that they all seem to have is really good bullpen. And Boston's is Boston's is terrible. I mean, 
how are they going to defend their title with what they have? It's just, it's pitiful. And Dombrowski, the, it was his undoing in different seasons in, te- in Detroit. It's the, I yeah. just, it's hard to believe we're going down the same path with this guy. Okay. My next question about Boston and Dombrowski, because the Red Sox, they've got a pretty barren farm system. Does their run end under Dombrowski similar to how it ended in Detroit, where they've got it eventually some of these star players get older and start losing a little bit, and it just gets barren quick? Do you think that could happen with Boston? Uh, I I wouldn't predict that, no. It's they hard do. to com- it's hard to compare it to Detroit. They spend a lot of money, and I don't know. I I don't really know if I see that, but I'm just mostly, like I said, just questioning the the bullpen stuff this year. I just don't get why they're they've ignored it. Yeah, man, it's going to be interesting to see how their season plays out. It really is. I'm going to be really curious to know how things go for them. I don't. I don't think it's going to end well unless they were able to find them not one but multiple bullpen pieces over the course of the next month before the trading deadline. Yeah, I will say even when I said what I just said about like I'm going to stick with them as a playoff team and all that. I don't really have much faith if they make it. If they unless they drastic changes happen because their bullpen will just get eaten alive in the postseason. So There's too many other really good teams in the American League with yeah. really good bullpens. That's yeah. Big difference. Yeah. Okay, well, let's start talking about some of their players. And Mookie Betts, their superstar who was being argued by some as the number one overall player in redrafts this year. And once again, I don't know how many years in a row we've seen this happen. The people who made that argument to take somebody over Trout don't look so smart now. Mookie had his a 261 average, 13 home runs, and 9 steals, which is disappointing, but I'm not going to sit here and beat up Mookie over that. It's just that stuff happens. But is Mookie a top five pick in redrafts next year? In redrafts? Um, yeah, probably. Five, six, yeah, he's around there. I think some of it will depend. Some of it will depend on the rest of the season. I, I feel like it could go down a little bit or up a little bit depending on the rest of the year. You know, he, I could see him being outside the top five, but I could see him being in it too. I think Trout, Yelich, Acuna, those guys have passed him right now, and yeah, I think he could still be in that back right there at the four or five mark. But if he he's going to have to have a big second half to stay there, I think. If not, I don't think he'll be there. But yeah, he's going to need to have that big second half, and it's possible. Yeah, he was yeah. a superstar last year, and I don't think the skills have really dropped. When you look at his Fangraphs page, it's just he's had bad luck this year, and he just he hasn't been quite as great. But I still think he's got that. I think he could be an MVP in the second half, and I don't think you would disagree with that. No, yeah, yeah, it wouldn't shock me at all. A few other guys have been steady. Not much to talk about. J.D. Martinez, Xander Bogart specifically. They're both really good. Uh, J.D.'s not having quite the year he had last year, but he's still really good. And Bogart's is kind of continuing the same. Any, th- any thoughts on either of those or keep moving? 
Uh, not really. The only thing I'll say is if you own J.D. Martinez in a dynasty league and he gets on a hot streak and you can't win your league, trade him. That's all I'll say. Yeah. Yeah, that's a guy you want to have if you're competing and you want somebody else to have not and you want to get yes. if you can you want to get some pieces for him obviously, but somebody's no, going to give him. Absolutely. I mean, I I say that because you'll get a ton for him. But mm-hmm. yeah, I would just be uh cashing him out if I wasn't going to win my league or at least have a shot to win my if I'm not in the race, you know. I I don't want him on my roster. I did. I do want to talk about Rafael Devers. I did a dive on him looking into his season because he started the year not hitting a home run until May 3rd. At that point, I went and looked. He had a 294 batting average, the zero home runs, and four stolen bases, which we've laughed about a few times. And Devers owners, including myself, were wondering what on earth at that time was going on. And I did mention early in the season on this podcast that one thing I'd noticed was he was only hitting fly balls 22% of the time. And then after May 3rd, he hit his first homer on that day. And since then, in 49 games, he has 12 home runs, a 336 batting average, 45 runs, and 40 RBI. And he's even chipped in another four steals. And all those stats I wrote up on Monday afternoon, and I did see that on Tuesday, he hit another two bombs that night, had a huge night with, I think, six RBI. And that had me going and looking, and I looked at his fly ball rates since May 3rd, and now he's hitting the ball in the air 35% of the time, which is still a little low, but he is hitting a lot of line drives. I think I saw 21%, and leaving the ground balls on the ground at a semi-reasonable 43% of the time. So we're not talking Eric Hosmer here, a guy who was hitting 55 60% ground balls. Devers just hits a lot of line drives. Yeah. Yeah, he's having a he's having a good year. He's a stud. Yeah, I I think he's hitting another level in terms of his value this year. And I do have a him or him game with third baseman, dynasty guys who are all under 30 years old. And I'm going to start at the top here with you. We are talking dynasty. And we'll see where Devers kind of finally slips in. And I think I know the the first few. Vlad Jr., Andrew. Yeah, you can keep going. Yep, Arenado. <laughs> yeah, no, keep Arenado. Going. Yep. yep. Okay, this is where I think it starts getting at least a little more interesting. Chris Bryant. Bryant. Okay. Anthony Rendon. Um... Probably Rendon. Sounds like it's at least getting a little closer, though. It's a little closer, yeah. Matt Chapman. This is the closest one to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I tell you, Matt Chapman's pretty good, man. Yes. I, yeah, he's pretty good. It that's It's tough. I, I think that one's close. You could argue it either way. Um. Devers is four years younger, so if you if you like him, I wouldn't argue it too much. But I tell you, Chapman's having a he's having an awesome season. What's so interesting? It's it's close. I don't think dynasty value 
for Devers has really gone up much this year yet from where it was before the season. But I think before the season, it was sitting where it was, and everybody was sitting on potential who had him. And at least now he's producing. I think the way I like to build my teams, I would probably prefer Devers. But I have absolutely no argument with anybody who wants Matt Chapman over Devers. Yeah. I mean, that, that I, I wouldn't debate that. I mean, that actually might be right. I mean, I just, I tend to side with the youth in, in a lot of those spots. But, yeah, it's not like Chapman's old. I mean, he's 26. So, it's, uh, yeah, it's really close. I think it drops off after that to where Devers clearly above the next three I put, which is Eugenio Suarez, Austin Riley, Michael Chavis. I'm taking Devers pretty clearly above those three. Yeah, Yeah, I would take Devers over them. Okay, I do want to ask one last one. This one, interesting, and we'll be talking more about him next week or on next episode where we're talking AL Central, but Jose Ramirez. Uh, I would take Jose Ramirez. <laughs> yeah, I'd take, I'd take Jose Ramirez. I think I, we could even hear you plugging your nose as you said that. God, he's been terrible. He's been yeah. so bad. Yeah. But we'll say, we'll save him yeah. for next episode. Yeah. Okay. Andrew Benatendi, another name I wanted to bring up here. This is a guy that I've been seeing owners getting frustrated with on Baseball 365. People are complaining. Yet he is still producing in all five categories, even if he's not giving as much in these categories as some people were hoping. He's pacing to have another season with 15 to 20 home runs and stolen bases with a good counting stats, batting average 270, which that could always go up. Why are people so angry here, Andrew? Andrew? Uh, probably because they're not quite getting the production they paid for, but he's a stud hitter in a great lineup. I don't really have anything bad to say about Benintendi. I think he's one of those guys that is just going to steadily produce for the next Four, five, six years, probably longer. I mean, he's he's really good. I mean, I I don't I feel like it's kind of nitpicky to be uh, complaining about him. His his swing he is swinging and missing more this year, mm-hmm. and his K rates up a little bit. So that's something to keep an eye on. But I don't know. I'm really just not that concerned about it. I think it's because. He's always been considered such a good hitter, and I'm just confident that he is that. Yeah. You know, one of these years, like, it's maybe a little bit of a down year this year, but it's still pretty solid, and I feel like next year or the year after, it could be a a peak year where you really get it, you know? So, yeah, I don't know. He's, He's just one of those steady guys that's young, and I just feel like it would take something drastic for me to change my mind off of him. I agree. I I like him. He's a good hitter. He's a fun guy to watch. He's not going to, he's not going to win a league for you, but he's not going to lose leagues for you either. That's the best way I'd put it. He's a very solid, reliable guy. Yeah. And he get, and he's still, you know, 
still gets so, on yeah. base. He still gets on base. He's going to mm-hmm. be at the top of that lineup for you know years to come. So, yep. The last hitter I wanted to briefly touch on is Dustin Pedroia, who did have a setback rehab in his knee, and it doesn't sound good. I really hope that Boston and he, Pedroia and Boston, can find a way to sort of come out to some kind of buyout on that deal. I went and looked. He has owed $13 million next year and $12 million in 2021, and I really hope Boston can eat a good portion of that contract keep Pedroia around on good terms with the organization, maybe as one of those spokesmen, I, I can't, faces of the franchise. But yeah. anyway, I, I, th- I just think it'd be best here for all situations if they kind of try to come out with something and, you know, end his career at this point. Yeah, it's been ugly lately. Yeah, but doesn't take away for how great that guy was. I and mean, he was fun to watch early on. Got an MVP oh, yeah. for the team and had a great career, but I think it's time to move on and, you know, getting that contract off the books would help. Yeah, no doubt. All right, well, let's move on to pitchers. And Chris Sale had an awful start to the season. He allowed 13, 17 earned runs in his first 18 innings pitched. And there were warning flags going on all over the place. People were real worried about him. But he did get real hot after that allowing two or fewer runs in nine of his next 11 starts. He had his first real rough game since early April this past week, but still, things are looking pretty good for going forward for sale, right, Andrew? Yep. He's, uh, you know, I heard a most amazing stat the other day. I don't know if you heard this, but he has not won a game at home in one year. Do you know that? I saw your post on uh, somewhere. Whenever I had seen you post it, but before that, I didn't know. No, I, I is, don't think I don't think I posted that. I didn't post that. Oh well, mate. I guess I saw it. It's yeah, just, it's crazy. I mean, like I that, know. I know. Like, obviously, there's luck involved with wins, but Chris Sale at home for a whole year—that's crazy. And he did miss a lot of the second half of last year with an injury, but still, yeah, he's yeah. a Boston Red Sox. Yeah, and he, yeah, and he's the, one of the best pitchers in the league. I mean, it's just totally nuts. But I think I yeah, could go I think, I think and throw my fine. knuckle softball pitch that I throw, and I could probably find my way into a win if I threw, went so out there thirty five yeah. times in a year. <laughs> right, yeah, <laughs> just exactly. because I played for the Red Sox. Yeah, but no, I think jokes aside, I mean, I think he's fine. He's been a little disappointing you know just era and stuff isn't quite where it should be but it probably will be by the end of the year top three four pitcher whatever he's awesome i don't know why you're saying jokes aside i'm going out there and i'm getting a win for the red Sox if i get 35 starts (laughs) (laughs) okay rest of season him or him game with sale let's see where he kind of ranks rest of rest of the year chris sale or garrett cole Sale. Okay, so this means he might be. Let me just keep going. Uh, Justin Verlander. Verlander. Yep. Scherzer. I'll just tell you this. I would go Verlander, Scherzer, Sale. Top okay, three. So you'd have him three. I'd have him over Degrom, Bueller, and Snell. 
I think I'd have Cole ahead of him. But I think, um, yeah, I mean, truth be told, you could put him first or last on this list. I would argue him pretty hard over Snell. But other than yeah. that, and, and, yeah, and probably Bueller, too. As much as I like Bueller, I would probably argue that one, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah but he's, he's in there. You know, it's if you have him one, four, whatever, they're all awesome so it doesn't really matter coming off of a mediocre start and then that um semi bad start this last week i think there are people rumbling about him again the last week to where this there might be a little bit of a buying window here again if if you can get in there and get a price get a price you might get maybe not a huge discount but this might be a time where you can get him if you need an ace maybe you have to pay full price to get him but so, uh, sometimes you can pay full price and it's still not getting you an ace. So yeah. maybe a guy to look into. Uh, David Price. He's been pretty solid this year. Low ER, low three ERA, striking out over a batter in inning. But doing some digging on him, the one interesting thing I noticed is he hasn't been going deep into games this year. If 14 starts, he has only pitched more than six innings. He's gone pitched into the seventh and only two of those starts that had me kind of wondering what his era was for each time through the order this year and i went and looked and the first time through it's at three six his era that's okay not uh, it's actually above his season era his second time through it's actually four and the third time through it's only eight while it's only 15 innings his era is 1.8 so and the previous two that made me go look at his previous seasons and in the previous few seasons it was at 3.6 and 3.86 in that third time through the order so all of that said it kind of has me wondering if they're just trying to hold back bullets for price to use in the playoffs what do you think yeah that's a good point i mean it could be could be what they're doing i i think that uh this is kind of a good example of why you should buy pitchers in dynasty leagues when their value is down because there's been multiple points over the last two to three years where David Price's value was in the tank Mm -hmm. and he seems like he's gotten his way out of it each time for the most part. So just something to keep in mind. I, I always kind of like buying those guys when they're down. And David Price is just—he's a good example of it. Anybody who invested in David Price this year and last year also, they're happy with the, what they've gotten after that terrible—I shouldn't say yeah. terrible—really down 2017 season where he had, had a lot of injuries. going into going into last year. I mean, there was people acting like he was done. Yep. You know so. And still people, he's definitely pushed that aside. Yep. Uh, Moving on through the rest of their rotation, Rick Porcello continues being a yo-yo pitcher. He was having a rough year this year, which means he'll probably be solid next year. But I think he's a free agent. I think I saw that. And Eduardo Rodriguez is struggling this year, but XFIP says he should be better. And I do know that I like him, and I think you do too, Andrew. But I'm going to move on unless you got something to add on either of those guys. Only thing I'll say about Porcello is I don't know if there's a pitcher in the league that 
I feel more like he could throw a no-hitter one game and his next start <laughs> give up 10 runs. That guy, I, I never have a beat on what he's going to do. I, I just can't. And I never own him because of it. I just... The human yo-yo. Yeah. Yeah. He's all over the place. And yeah, I like Erod. Always have. Okay. Bullpen questionnaire. Does a member of the current Boston Red Sox roster finish the season with the most saves? And before you answer, right now, Ryan Brazier is the team leader with seven. Hmm. That's a good question. If they do what they should do, no. It'll be someone that's not on the roster. But they're not really showing me any signs that they're going to do anything else. I don't know. I would say... I would say somebody that's currently on the roster ends the year with the most. I'm still holding out hope that they will go out there and trade for Rizel Iglesias, like I said before the season. $7 million contract. I think they could probably find a way to get a deal there. And he's got... I think two years left on that deal. Problem is the Reds are actually playing better ball. I think I made fun yeah. of them when we did our NL Central podcast, and they've got the second best run differential in the NL Central now, and are climbing their way back in it. I have a feeling, and this is just a gut feeling. I have a feeling if Rice Iglesias went to Boston, he would not be good. Yeah. He hasn't really been he hasn't really been good this year. Anyway, he's walking too mm-hmm. many guys and Yeah, I I think that has like dumpster fire written all over it. I just uh I'm not saying they shouldn't do it because their their options now aren't good, yeah. But uh yeah, I don't know if that would make it too much better. I'm gonna say yeah, they get somebody in there, but it could be one of those things. They're bringing somebody in, but I just don't yeah. know. If it'll work out, it yeah. could be a Hunter Strickland who they trade for. And you say Rizal Iglesias could be a dumpster fire. <laughs> Imagine yeah. Hunter Strickland closing for an AL East team. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, the farm system for the Red Sox is one of the weaker ones in baseball. I don't have a share of any Red Sox in either of my dynasty leagues. You play in more dynasty leagues than me, Andrew. Do you own any of their prospects anywhere? Uh, the only one off the top of my head that I know I have is Anthony Flores. He's a uh, yeah. young shortstop in short season. Um. He's having a pretty bad season so far, but still kind of a you know small sample. It got started just two, three weeks ago or whatever. But yeah, I think he's the only one. So they've got Flores, Dalbeck, Jaron Durant, Jared Duran, and Tristan Cassis. Our guys I see ranked in the one hundreds. I honestly don't know much about any of them. I did read a little on Flores the other day. And I had seen that he wasn't doing too well. So we've already mentioned Flores, but Dahlbeck, Duran, and Cassius. Are there any of those guys that interest you at all? Not specifically. I mean, Duran's been a hot name this year. Just in Mm -hmm. general, he's skyrocketed up 
lists, I mean, just based on what he did at high A, um, he's really good. He's gone to double A since, hasn't been as good. So kind of a wait and see thing. It's like a hit tool speed guy, you know, um, not, not a ton of power, but, um, but yeah, he's been kind of a hot name that there's, I know there's people that are liking him. But yeah, nobody really specifically excites me too much. They've got a few young guys that are a ways away, but system really isn't that good. No, it's not. It's all in the majors now. Yeah. Dombrowski did empty that out, and he's got a World Series championship, so no matter what, he's got his World Series. But yeah. they, this is not like the Yankees now, where the Yankees are the team with the elite farm system and the Red Sox. They've kind of switched places in the last five years. Yeah, for sure. Next up are the Toronto Vladimir Guerrero Juniors, who are sitting in fourth place. <laughs> okay, so funny story. I went to go look up Vlad Jr.'s Fangraphs page yesterday, and I accidentally pulled up his dad's instead. And I went and looked, and in Vlad Jr.'s or Vlad Guerrero Sr.'s final season in 2011, I was shocked to see that even then, when he was on his last legs in the league, he only struck out 9% of the time in his plate appearances. Man, that guy had some crazy hand-eye coordination. Yeah, no kidding. What a stud. He, he was incredible. And the thing that people say about him is he swung at everything, hit everything. But he still walked a lot more than I thought. Because I didn't follow, fan, I wasn't in the fan graphs world paying as much attention to walk rates as I did. I just, I knew what the stereotype was that he just swung at everything. That was the joke. He could hit anything, but he, he would still to walk early in his career. That late part of his career was pretty rough. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely a little rough at the end. All right. Well, anyways, his someone, his son is someone we went in great depth before the season and Andrew, we were both confident he'd be playing at maybe an MVP level close to immediately when he was called up. I'm not saying we he was. I should say we thought he was going to be a star. That might be a fair fair way to say it. But given he's now played in 54 games in the bigs with only half of the season to go, the time seems to be start running out on Vlad if he's going to be playing at a superstar level at some at this year if he's going to finish at that kind of level. And there's still time. We saw Acuna last August kind of have that run and get himself into that category. But Vladdy really needs to get one of these insanely hot months going either here in July or August. Yeah, yeah, he's um, he's been disappointing to this point. I mean, it's pretty clear. I mean, we all or definitely me. I mean, I'm not going to speak for everybody, but thought he would be better than this. So that part is disappointing. That said, I mean, I haven't changed my mind long term. I feel like if two months into a 20-year-old's major league career, you're jumping ship, you're out of your mind, especially a guy this talented 
I mean, it is what it is. He's holding his own in the major leagues, but has he been disappointing? Of course. I'm glad you brought up the whole dynasty and where you stand on him because somebody messaged me asking me for advice about him. He was offered Bregman for him straight up in a dynasty, and he was contemplating it. I don't think he was going to do it. It was a 20-team league. I told him I'm still taking Vlad there. And I said I, I get because Bregman has moved moved up in my a few spots and where I would have had him before the season in dynasty ranks, but I'm still holding with Vlad. And then he actually told me he got another offer of Glaber Torres and Keith El Marte. I told him like there's no way I would even consider that one. Just my thoughts on Vlad, but and I'm not saying he was doing that deal, but. What I'm or considering it, he was just letting me know it's another one he got. But it tells me that people are, I think there probably are some people that are wavering a little bit on him. And there might be a buying opportunity in a dynasty league with somebody who might be getting a little impatient. I'm not saying it's every league. I'm definitely not saying if you're in a dynasty league with Andrew McQuiston, you should be <laughs> trying to buy him <laughs> Jr. right now. You're probably yeah. going to get a rude response. No, I, I will say I, I get it, I guess, if you're not, uh, you know, if you, there there's people, you know, they, they expect every young prospect to just come up and be what Juan Soto did last year or what Acuna did or, you know, what Tatis is doing. I mean, Tatis is crushing it, you know, Alonzo. I mean, they're not they don't all progress. It's not like linear where it's just boom. Every single one of them is going to be great right away. Did I expect Vlad to be great right away? Yeah. Has he been? No, but it's not like he's been terrible either. I mean, he's hanging in there, you know, and you know, we just kind of see what, what happens from here the rest of the year. But I just, I feel like if you were a Vlad guy, before the year and two months at the age of 20 i mean reminder 20 years old in the majors if you're jumping ship now i mean you're you're crazy but yep. anybody anybody who was on the other side of it and was anti-vlad coming into the year you know they're they're probably puffing their chest out a little bit right now and yeah i i, I get it i mean i get it he, he hasn't been quite as good as most people expected. So, But dynasty value discussion here. He's probably still a top three or four pick for you, right? Uh, for me, three to five, yeah, somewhere in there. I don't have to make that decision right now, luckily. But, yeah, yeah, he's pretty, pretty much where he was, yeah. If you were doing a startup and – Let's say the first pick was Trout. I'm, I'm just going to get a couple guys out of the way. Trout, Acuna is gone. And Vlad Jr. and Christian Yelich are there. Who are you yeah, taking? That was the, I don't yeah. know. I don't, I don't know. know either. Yeah. It's I tough. That, that was the one I was going to say. It, it's, you know, and I'm not going to tell – People can take who they want. Like when you said the thing with Bregman or Vlad, if somebody asked me that, my exact answer would be just take the guy, just take the guy you want. 
mm-hmm. because there's no wrong answer to that. Mm-hmm. I mean, like if it's me and I'm in that seat, I'm probably taking Vlad. Yeah, but I also am not going to push that on someone else if they're not mm-hmm. comfortable. If they're not comfortable with it, so it, it's one of those. It's splitting hairs so much. It's like just take your dude. I don't want to be the one that influences you to do something that you don't want to do. I mean, because it really is at the end of the day, it's your team. You have to deal with it. You know, so you know that that'd be a fun poll to post on baseball 365. I'm going to try to put that up. Bregman or Vlad in a dynasty. Who do you want? See what people say right yeah, now. It's, I have a okay. feeling. I have a feeling Bregman might win right I now. Agree. I mean, right now, but. You know, let Vlad get hot, and they it'll could go back. We'll see. I think yep. it's close. Well, the youth movement is on in Toronto. Vlad came up, uh, Rowdy Telez, Cavon, Cavan Biggio, Lourdes Curiel, Danny Jansen, all up and playing for Toronto. And there's a kid named Bo who could be up also, but we'll get to him in a bit. I want to discuss Biggio here, though, Andrew. I don't think we've really talked much about him. I don't remember it anyways. What are your thoughts on him in terms of dynasty value? I feel like I've never been really that high on him, but he's been pretty good so far. I mean, impressive. Uh, I probably wouldn't be the one that owned him in dynasty, or I, I wouldn't seek him out, but... Yeah, he's been he's been pretty impressive so far. You know the comp? You know, actually, I'll come back to that. You know, he was walking a ton but striking out a lot last year. And this year in AAA, he was called up from AA to AAA to start the year. And he was actually walking more than he was striking out. 19.5% of the time walking, 16% strikeout rate. Huge drop for him there. And he's come up and he's striking out again about 27% of the time, but walking a lot. But when I look at what he's doing right now, I think of Brandon Lau. I think they're kind of really close to the same guy. So take that how you want. That yeah. means, because I, I just mentioned that Brandon Lau's a guy I'd be selling, but I also told you before the year I'd be buying. So I think with Biggio, again, I'd be what depending on what the market is on him, I could be high or low on him. And I think right now, He's not quite gotten his value up there like Lau's has to where if I was able to get like a Biggio plus for Lau, I would do that. Even though I'm getting the same, I feel like I'm getting the same guy plus I'm getting something else as long as the plus is enough. But I think you could get a pretty good plus on top of that if you made that deal right now with somebody. Yeah, potentially. Okay, Lourdes Gurriel playing out of his mind right now. Over his past 30 days, he's hitting 352 at 10 home runs. Andrew, we made fun of him before the season. What do you make of this hot streak? Uh, he's been pretty impressive. I I feel like we didn't really make fun of him. I we were more on the uh, it was it's always been more Yuli, at least for me. But um, yeah, he's playing really good. And he's, it was one of those things before the year. I, I do know, I do remember saying, I just didn't know how he would fit in and like when Bo's timetable would be, you know, it, he was kind of slotted in middle infield there. But um, 
he uh, he's just been good enough. And then you know, Bo was hurt, so that pushed him back. And yeah, he's been he's been impressive. Still strikes out too much, but he's been uh, on a bad team like they are. I mean, they're they they're really bad. They're not not a good team. But yeah, he's been a, he's been a bright spot for him for sure. My big thing with him going into the year was he didn't walk at all. And I just, I don't like guys who power hitting guys that cannot take a walk. And it has doubled to where it's up to 6%. That's at least somewhat okay. But yeah, I think I'd be trying to sell him if I had a share right now. Cause he is buzzy right now. People are, yeah. people are liking him. Yeah. The only thing with guys like this, and I feel like I say this a lot is what can you get? Yeah. Like how much are you? Cause sometimes with guys, with, guys like this it's it's almost like are you going to get more in a trade or just more by holding him mm-hmm. and what he's providing to your team right now and just mm-hmm. writing it out because a lot of times you know you take you almost have to have somebody seeking a guy like that out if you tried to take Lourdes Gurriel to somebody and trade him to them I feel like they'd just be like what you know they wouldn't even you got to have somebody that specifically wants him. If you have yeah. that, if you have that, then you may have something. But if you don't, then you're just kind of. Yeah, I don't know. I just I don't feel like it would a league message out saying Lourdes Gurriel on the block. You're going to get eight, or you you're going to have four people sending you terrible offers. It's more of a you hope somebody comes after him, asks you about yeah, him, and, seek, you, and then then you say. All right, what are you wanting to give? That's not a guy I'd be trying to hang on to and saying he's a building yeah. piece for me. Yeah, I will say if I had one person tell – if I owned him and had one person ask about him, I'd be all over it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we don't need to like go on long about this, but I do want to at least say I have no clue why Toronto gave Randall Gridgick a five-year, $52 million extension in April. That guy is a fourth outfielder who isn't good at baseball. <laughs> okay, I'm being a little harsh, but this guy is not a $52 million player that nobody should ever give a five-year deal to, especially whenever he hits against right-handed hitters so poorly, which is what teams face two-thirds or so of the time. He has a 227 batting average this year with a 287 on base, and against right-handers, that changes to 207 with a 262 on base and a 656 OPS. I may have been wrong on Luke Voigt. I will take a L on that one, but I've been right all along on Gridgick. He's bad, and he should not be getting five-year contracts for major league teams. Anything, or should I get just get off my soapbox and move on? I think you. Uh, I think you. I think you covered it. Might have some. Uh hate mail from Gritchie's family, but <laughs> my apologies <laughs> to any fans or friends of Randall Gritchick. Tweet me at, at, at actually I changed my Twitter handle <laughs> at, at Batman three sixty five. That was something I used to go by when I played softball and my wife told me I needed to change it. So I changed it. So there you go. Send hate tweets to me there. Okay. On to pitching Marcus Stroman. He's got a 3.18 ERA. But there's a lot of underlying stuff that looks scary. Uh, should owners be floating this guy out there in trades, or kind of like we were talking about with Gurriel, at least maybe see at least being open to moving him? Or is this someone 
no one's likely even buying, you think? Yeah, I think you can be open to it. It's kind of with him, I, some of these guys, it's just what they've done most recently. You know, if he has a couple killer starts, you could probably trade him for something. But if he's just, if he's ice cold, then you probably can't get much. So, Exhibit A of why I think that Stroman, when he's on a hot stretch, should be moved and Toronto should be trying to move Stroman right now is his teammate Aaron Sanchez. I didn't realize how bad Aaron Sanchez's season has gone since he had a pretty good yeah. strong start. 31 innings in April and March and April, he had a 2.32 ERA and since then it's been ugly. And it's got it's gotten to its worst in June where he gave up 36 runs and 27 innings pitched. That's dreadful. Yeah. Unfortunately, it bad. seems like Toronto missed their opportunity to sell him and get anything of value back. And I really think they should be trying to move Stroman fast because both guys' underlying stats aren't really near as good as what their performance was. Man, this team is just so bad. Yeah. They're so bad. I feel like they need to they just need to get Bo up there. Yes. And at least get a little more excitement. I feel like it'll help some of these guys in the lineup, too. And, you know, obviously people are excited to see Vlad and Biggio's been good. And it just uh, pumps some energy into that stadium. I don't know. It's there's This team is depressing. Like, aside from those, at least those two, you know. And Gurriel's been good, but it's just... It's just sad. They're bad. They're not good at all. Yeah. Let's move on to prospects and Bo. I'll just move on to him right now. Do you think we see him this year? I've gone back and forth on this so much. I, I still kind of do. I still kind of feel like we do see him, yeah. But it's, yeah, it could go either way. I kind of feel the same. I go back and forth. And I think if I was Toronto, I wouldn't. I just go on and hold off, get that extra year of service time, get him up in mid-April. But yeah, he's hitting so well right now in AAA since coming back from that hand injury. They might, yeah. they might do it. Yeah, they. It's it's tough. I I could see him holding them back too. Yeah, it's it could go either way. What about? I want to throw in two different types of prospects, but both guys who are very. Sexy names. Jordan Groshans or Nate Pearson? Who would you rather have? Um, I would rather have Groshans, but it's pretty much just because he's the bat. Uh-huh. I will say that Pearson is like and I don't have I don't have any shares of Pearson, but uh, he is kind of like my type of pitching prospect. Just because I think his ceiling is absurd, and mm -hmm. that's what you want in a pitching prospect. Or that's what I want in a pitching prospect. So, um, yeah, it's pretty much just because Groshans is the hitter. I like Pearson a lot. And Groshans has been dealing with foot injuries, but I think he's supposed to be getting back soon. But Pearson, yeah. I, and I agree. I think I'm taking Groshans, but Pearson is 
one of those tantalizing guys with incredible upside. Throws yeah. the ball really hard, strikes out guys well, does not walk many. Uh, that guy could be an ace. Yeah, he's got it, that potential. He kind of, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Noah Syndergaard. Yeah, just as far, fun. just as far as like the size. Obviously, Syndergaard was a Jays prospect at you know back in the day, and uh, the big fastball, you know, all that. It's just I've always kind of, uh, kind of linked those two together a little bit. What about Aurelvis Martinez? He's Kind of, I think he's moving up a little bit in terms yeah. of his list. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, I like him. I was going to mention him if if you didn't. Yeah, he's uh, yeah, I mean, seventeen. You know, he's young. He's in the Gulf Coast League and off to a good start. But yeah, yeah, I like him. I've seen comps to like he could wind up being like a Beltre type. You know, just. Power hitting probably third baseman down the road. So we'll see. Obviously, that's a ways away. I mean, he's really young, but got a lot of potential. Between him, Groshans, Bo, Vlad, possibly Biggio in that list too. They got a lot of exciting young infielders on that team. I mean, I mean, yeah. some of them are a ways away, and you never know where they're even playing at that point, but it's an interesting squad of young hitters right there. It'll be fun to see where this team is in a few years, but they're also in a really tough division. Yeah, I will uh I will throw out too. I not quite ready to give up on Alfred. I mean, he's been a pretty highly regarded prospect for the most part. He's kind of tumbled down a little bit the last year or two, but I wouldn't quite give up on him yet. I feel like in the second half, he's going to get a shot. Uh, he's performed decently at AAA this year, and there's enough speed. And, you know, it, it'll ultimately come down to if he hits. I mean, he may not hit. He strikes out a lot. But um, there's tools there that he could definitely be interesting in fantasy if he, if he can stick. And on this team, I, I really think it's – about that time where they've got to just give him a shot and see if he can. Yeah, I agree. So. This second half of this year, they need yeah. to give him a 30 to 50 game run. Just say, Definitely. here's your shot. Get out there and play. 100%. Yeah. Please stay and, and I mean, you're at it. Who knows how it'll go, but I just, I think that that opportunity is, is coming pretty soon. So just something to keep in mind. Randall, when you're blocked by Randall Gridgick and his five year, 52 million. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay, That's rough. I need to stop. Let's just take a break here and move to the next team. <laughs> oh, boy. Now we get to talk about Baltimore, Andrew. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this, uh, this is the good stuff right here. Yeah, this is this what is... everybody has been listening and waiting yeah. for. Everyone's been <laughs> – everyone skipped through that just to get to this. Yeah, I'm, I really, it's more like, well, of our however many downloads we get, like 10% of them are still listening right now. <laughs> All right, so Baltimore's got a new GM, new manager, and this is going to be a long rebuild. They're in a bad place with a bad roster in the wrong division. But I'll give them this, at least their new GM seems to be getting good reviews so far in the early going here. 
Yeah. Yeah, it seems like things are, uh, you know, slowly progress. I mean, it's it's like you said, it's it's going to take a while. I mean, it's they're a ways away, but they had a lot of. Uh, I saw something today. Their international signings, because obviously today's the J two. They had uh, more today than they've had in any of the last five or six years by far. Like not even close. Good so for things things are changing a little bit, you know, but it's it's going to be a long process, especially especially this division. It's just it's so hard to get to the top. What's nice specifically, the words I have not once heard said this year about the front office is more of the same. It's oh, same old Orioles. It's been, you know, you know what? We're seeing a little bit out of some of these prospects and it seems like they're just slowly working the system here and doing what they need to do. And yeah. good for them. Their payroll last year was 135 million. And this year it's chopped all the way down to 80, 84 million. And some of that money is coming off the books after this year. Mark Trombo's contract, it ends this offseason, which surprised me. It feels like he just signed that deal, but I guess it's been four years. As does Andrew Kashner's. As long as he doesn't reach a vesting option, which I highly doubt Baltimore would let happen, and then have to give him $10 million next year. I don't know what the option is, but there's something in there. And that leaves them with Alex Cobb getting $29 million between next year and the following year. And Chris Davis, my God, he's going to get $23 million for in 2020, 2021, and 2022. And that leads me to my first game here, Andrew. Pick a month and year that the Orioles DFA Chris Davis. How about you start? Okay. I'm, I gotta, I'm thinking about this. There, there's no way they can let him ride through the next three years on this contract. I'm going to say June, uh, June 2020. Jeez, are you kidding? I swear to you, that's the exact one <laughs> I was thinking. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I will say, uh, I'll say May 2020 just to be different, but I was thinking June when you said that. Okay. I think it's sometime next season. Yeah. Uh, two and a half years of eating money. But the thing is, the new GM says, that's not my money. I'm saving us some money in all these areas to where let's just throw. You just got to throw it away, and I know their owner is pretty tough on stuff like this, and maybe he won't let them for a while, but you got to trust the GM to do the process, and it's good best for the team to get some young kids up and not let that guy waste a roster spot when he's clearly done. 39.4% K rate. Yeah, man. Holy cow. It's, it's, it's sad because he seems like a pretty good dude. Negative 4.2 war since the start of last season. And 168 batting average, 169. Yeah, it's like as ugly as it can be. And Jim Bowden thought that can was it, a good contract. Can it, even, can it even get any uglier than that? I mean, no, we made fun of the Ryan Howard contract. This is a lot worse than Ryan Howard's deal. A yeah, lot I, worse. I don't see how it can get much worse than this. Nope. It may be the one that we look back at as the worst contract we saw. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, there might be a pitcher that doesn't pitch for six seasons. 
just they're done. But even then, I think that'd be better because at least you're able to stick them on the DL and not have yeah. to be throwing them out there. Right. This is more painful. Okay. Let's move off of depressing Chris Davis and move on to Jonathan VR, who I know you have at least one share. I'm guessing you have multiple shares. How are you feeling about that investment so far here at the halfway point? Just, uh, just one. Um, he's been all right. Yeah, he's been fine. I mean, not, not anything crazy, but 16 steals about halfway through the season. Maybe a little behind the pace that you were hoping for, but uh, not too far off. No, I think overall you'd say that's a net positive if you're looking at what he did because the floor you knew was there if something went wrong. He's also got 10 home runs. I mean, uh-huh. that's, yeah. Yeah, overall, I think he's been fine. I agree. And Trey Mancini, he's had a really good – he had a good rookie year in 2017, but stumbled backwards last year. And this year's been another really good season. Right now, his batting average sits at 302. He has 17 home runs in 78 games. He seems like a solid low-end first baseman, solid corner infielder for teams this year. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Good. That's a good season for him. Okay, a few other mediocre-type hitters that seem to be benefiting from being on a bad roster right now, getting some playing time. Dwight Smith Jr., Renato Nunez, even Keon Broxton's gotten some play as of late. None of these guys are long-term starters, though, are they? Well, on Baltimore, I mean, you can't really rule it out, but uh, probably not. I've always kind of liked Nunez a little bit just because I feel like he has quite a bit of power. He's kind of shown that this year with, I think he's got 18 home runs. But, yeah, I mean, he's not really a good hitter. He just has a lot of power, low average, high power guy. You know, it's probably one of those guys that will play until someone better comes along. And once Mm -hmm. they do, then he won't play as much. That's just kind of how the cycle works. Or he plays himself out of a job in April next year. And next thing we know, they've got some, uh, some other terrible player trying to come up. Or I shouldn't say terrible, but, you know, okay minor league who... The only thing is, though, is it's he's on pace for 35 home runs. And I'll tell you right now, this guy hits 35 home runs on Baltimore. He's hitting in the middle of their lineup going into next season. I mean, it's... I agree there. So, it's just... Because that's like a big, you know, I mean, that's that's a big, big number. And especially on a team like this, I mean, he's going to play if he's doing that, so... Uh, Chance Disco, there's another guy who was called up three weeks or so ago, and he's already cranked out four home runs. I know he's a guy you've kind of always said you've had a soft spot for, and I have a share and have enjoyed him so far. He seems to be striking out a bit much, but man, he's making hard contact when he's connecting. Yeah, yeah, he's been good so far. Needs to just get an extended run here and Probably not their uh, long-term answer now that they've got Adley, but, you know, it could be a couple years before he's up, so. Yep. 
And when Adley's up, um, I, I do hear some people saying that they may try just going on and putting him at another position, but I don't know. I'd be, I'm, I'm guessing that they'd love to keep him a catcher. Cause he, who's he's, it? who's that? Sisto Adley. Or, oh. Adley. Oh yeah. Or, I haven't heard. I haven't heard that. I read it somewhere and maybe it's, maybe it was a bad source. Anyway, let's move on to pitching. Andrew fill in the blank. The major league pitcher on the Orioles I most want to own on my fantasy teams is blank. No one. That is the right answer. You win. <laughs> uh, it, it would be uh, Dylan Bundy. But, oh, man. God, it's gross. I mean, yeah. The answer, no, you had it right the first time. The answer is nobody. Even yeah. their closers, Michael Givens, who I've held on to in Rotomasters 2 for two seasons, and now he's finally getting the saves sometimes, and I'm like, I can't handle this anymore and throw him back. I just... I can't handle. He's not good. And yeah. It's I Dylan Bundy is it, how much of a chance, you know, we saw Lucas Giolito actually bounce back and find greatness this year. What would you give Bundy the, you know, put him in that window of maybe that could possibly happen someday? Man, that's a good question. Uh the only the only or not the only, but one difference between those two situations is just Bundy has been not good for longer than Giolito than Giolito was. So I wouldn't completely rule it out, but I uh, I don't feel great about it. I'll say this. If I ever saw a report like I heard about Giolito before this year that his velocity had ticked back up and he had found some of that lost velocity, I would be in immediately. But that's what I'd yeah. have to see. Because I think I tell you, right, go ahead, sorry. I'm, I think he knows how to pitch, but he's pitching in the AL East with a ninety mile an hour fastball. And that's just not gonna make it. This is probably, I'll admit, a closed minded way of thinking. But I'll just be honest, it's pretty much the way that I think nowadays. I pretty much just ignore Baltimore pitchers. Mm -hmm. Like, it's almost, it's similar to the Rockies. And I feel like the Rockies have better pitchers than Baltimore. I mean, like Marquez and Gray and stuff, you know, they're better than anybody Baltimore has. But, you know, you just kind of getting that mindset of, oh, he pitches in cores, I just don't want him type of thing. And I just feel like that with Baltimore. I I don't care. It's almost like I don't even care if you want to hype somebody. Now it's, and we're going to get to it here soon, but they got a couple pitchers in the the, uh, Futures game. Mm -hmm. Grayson Rodriguez and I believe D.L. Hall. And, and, you know, the reports are great and everything's like, oh, yeah, they're – they're different, and maybe they are, but gosh, I, I don't know if it's going to ever be on one of my teams until I really see it in the majors. I, I just feel like this, they just can't develop pitching over, you know, all the way through, like up to the major league level. And ah, it's just, yeah, I just ignore them all. It, it's like, why? I don't know how you could do anything other than that. 
I ignore pitching in the low minors just about in general if they cost anything. And Grayson, at least, wasn't a too steep of a first-year player oh, draft no. yeah, guy no. this if, year. If you but, got those guys, you get them cheap. Mm-hmm. But I think because it's a new regime in there in Baltimore, I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't put them in that Colorado classification anymore. I think I'm giving them a chance to at least see what happens with these guys. And I would, I think I would at least give them a little more of a chance than I would if those two guys were pitching in Colorado just because of that. But it's still a tough ballpark and top division, but I think I'm a little more optimistic than you. And on that, I'm not, probably. but we'll see. It's still a tough division, tough ballpark. And it's a regime that's to be continued. So we'll find out. So we'll talk about these five prospects. Um, Actually, no. Let's talk about Adley first. I'm not going to hold you to this question here. We're spitballing here in July before we've done full research. There are some dynasty leagues, though, that have their first-year player drafts in July or August. And if you were picking first in one of those drafts right now, knowing what you know, knowing that... This is not, you're not being held to this for the next six months as you don't draft until January. You taking Adley first? Uh, I don't really know, to be honest. I, I, my first instinct is I would trade it. What you did. (laughs) Yeah, just because. I feel like there's somebody that would want that pick more than me. And I would find who that was and trade it, most likely. But if I had to make the pick, I mean, possibly, yeah, there's going to be a few guys that are probably in that discussion, and he's obviously one of them. So, so unsure. Yeah. I want to ask you the question because, honestly, I don't know yet. And I traded yeah. for your second pick, which – Probably, I mean, it's it's either going to be a first or second pick, most likely. There is there's a 15-point, 16-point difference between second and third worst, and that always can be caught, but I'd say the odds are pretty good. It's going to be a top-two pick, and uh, I don't know. Between those two. Yeah, I, the good thing is you just you just don't have to worry about it for a while. Yeah. It, there's, there's so much time, even after the season, that you have to think about it. That, yeah, I just – I don't even really – I mean, I think about these guys that are going to, but I don't, uh, I don't worry about it much during the year. I just don't, I don't have to, you know, there'll be plenty of time to totally dive into all that in the off season and overanalyze it because yeah. we don't have baseball to watch. Right. Exactly. Yep. All right. Well rank these next five prospects then. Cause Adley's still clearly their number one prospect in the Baltimore organization. Or at least give me a top three here of the the best of the rest. D.L. Hall, Austin Hayes, Grayson Rodriguez, Ryan Mountcastle, and Yuzniel Diaz. Who's your top three of that? Ugh, I don't really like, I don't know. I would no. probably say, um, I think I... I think I would take Grayson Rodriguez the highest. 
just because I think he has the most helium right now. And uh-huh. I'd probably be looking to trade. You know, it it would be like a trade scenario. You know, who could I get the most for? But um, I think Grayson Rodriguez probably has the most helium at the moment out of all these guys. So he'd be my one. I don't really know. The other guys are all kind of jumbled together for me. I think Mountcastle and Hayes have some upside if they could ever learn to take walks. That's the both of their problem. They can, they can make good right. bat and ball contact, but they do not walk. But I was also saying the same thing about Paul DeYoung a couple of years ago, and he did figure it out. Maybe one of those two can figure it out. It's just a question of if, when. Usenail's good at walking, but I don't think he provides the fantasy upside that those other guys have. So I think... I think I'd still go my top three is Grayson, DL Hall, and Mountcastle. I don't know in what order, but I think those would be my top three of that list. Yeah, I think you could take almost any three and I wouldn't I wouldn't uh argue it, but Grayson's just he's had such a good year and he's just getting so much pub right now that I would probably just want him, but it's not something that is incapable of changing in a month or two. So the real sad part is beyond these, this list of guys, which already does not excite you, Andrew, that they have pretty much nothing underneath it. It's going to take a while. Their farm system is very barren for being as bad of an organization. They are as they are right now. It's going to take some time, and when you go look at their prospects on a top prospect list, you see exactly how bad it is. And it's I really hope I really hope Adley isn't Matt Wieters. <laughs> oh man, that would be awful. I, I would be so. I awful. made it. I made a joke about that a while back, and I don't think he is. I, for the record, I I think he's probably going to wind up being a stud, but uh, they really need him to be a stud. Yes, they do. Like if even if he's just disappointing, but still like a major league starter, you know, an average starting major league catcher, that's not good enough. Like they need him to be as advertised, and I, I honestly I hope he is, just because they need, they need some, something. They need something, yeah. And it it would be great to you know because we kind of need catchers like that in the game too right yeah. now and. That would be odd. It would be good to see. I'm rooting for him, honestly. Yep, me too. All right. Well, that closes out the AL East, Andrew. We got two <laughs> more divisions to go. Yeah, so much to talk about in this division. We had to split it up, but uh, hopefully, we provided them with some uh, good t- good discussion there. Yeah, I'm glad we did it, though. I think that was better in terms of. Uh, I didn't feel like I was rushing so much trying to get through everything and able to go a little more in depth on it. And we still provided two podcasts that were pretty close to about an hour on each of them, which I think is better that way than putting a two hour podcast or really trying to rush through an hour and a half. So maybe we'll end up doing that. We'll see what the, I'll, when I start writing up the AL central, we'll see exactly how deep it is. And if it looks like this might try doing it again. Yeah. Yeah. We can, uh, kind of play it by ear but sounds uh sounds all good to me 
Okay. Well, we'll be back soon and we'll get you some AL Central pro- AL Central talk, but Andrew, I guess we should talk the All-Star we got the all the All-Star festivities going up this up this next week. What are you most looking forward to? The Futures game, we got a seven-inning contest now. First start actually, what do you think of that? Oh, I I, I hate it. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad Why? you mentioned. I'm glad you mentioned that. I don't like that at all. Um, that to me is the best event. Mm-hmm. Just because, obviously, you know, we like seeing those guys. You just don't see them a lot during the year, unless you go to minor league games. Which, I mean, I've gone to a few. I know you've been to them before, but. A lot of people, just generally speaking, you know, it's not like they're on TV every night and stuff. So it's cool to see. And for them to cut it to seven, I just, I'm not a fan of it. It's disappointing. Two of the guys that's going to be playing in that Futures game are Taylor Trammell and Jazz Chisholm. And I bring them up specifically because they're going to be there that Sunday. And that week, I'm going to Chattanooga, Tennessee for my annual meeting. And I think I want to try to go see the Chattanooga Lookouts and the Diamondbacks AA organization play each other Monday and Tuesday night if I can. I'm definitely going one night. I think I'm what, uh, what day are you going? Monday and Tuesday. I'll be there. Like the days of the All-Star Game and the Home Run Derby? Yes. Oh, man, you're not going to want to hear this, but I have a feeling they're not going to be there. I wonder that. Yeah, That's I don't fine. think I don't think they'll be there. They'll be, I don't know when they come back after that stuff. And that usually they don't I mean, they, they don't ever have games those weeks. I bet you that they give them at least a day off. Like I bet you they're not there Monday. And I mean I even think, even if they're back, it might be one of those Well, let's see, at Cleveland to Chattanooga. I guess it's not that far. Yeah, maybe. But I could depends. also see them getting a day off. I'd rather go Tuesday. You might be better off Tuesday. That's the game I have tickets for. Yeah, they, that's. I'd rather go then than Monday. Just, yeah. just for your odds of seeing those, you know, the guys. But and the Derby is kind of more fun to watch than the All Star Game, anyways. The Home Run Derby. Yeah, so. yeah. I, I think that. I think that I rank them kind of that way too. The, the All Star Game is whatever. I mean, I'll I'll pay attention to all of it. There's a guy at my work that's actually going to all three, which. I think it's just awesome. I didn't know. He told me, I knew he was going. He's been planning this trip for uh, a while. He told me about this a while back that he was going to do this. But he was like, I don't know if I'm going to go to the just the Futures game or just the home run. You know, he didn't know which one. And I just asked him recently what, which one he was going to or what he was going to. And he said all three. Man. I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that'd be a pretty neat thing to get to do someday. I know I missed out. I didn't go to the one that was in St. Louis when they got a new stadium. I think Kansas City had one a few years ago also. I say a few. It may have been eight now. But I, if one of those two came back again, I would make sure I tried to get to the Futures game at least and the Derby. That'd yeah, I went, to the, uh, I went to the Futures game in uh, Cincinnati in 2015. And in a couple years, I think it's in Atlanta, and my sister lives not far from the Braves Stadium, so I may try and work something out when that when that rolls around, but we'll see. That's a couple years away. Hey, sis, I'm coming to visit. 
Yep. <laughs> I'll be at the All-Star game. <laughs> yeah. I could see myself. Uh, I could see myself trying to work something out with that. But. Yeah, my sister lives in New York. Maybe sometime. Maybe I'll. Ma- I've never yet to get to bought to Brooklyn. She lives in Brooklyn to go visit her. I need to go do that. That'd be a pretty crappy way for me to finally make my first trip up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh uh, well. Okay. Well, we'll try to get back soon with the AL Central and take care, everybody. Yeah. Take care, guys. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. Once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year.